your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hi, welcome to the home day edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cami, Cami and G. Follow us on Twitter, the show at Locked On Horns. On Twitter, on Instagram, it's Locked On Longhorns. Uh, Cami, it's obviously it's Wednesday. We're we're coming close to the game today. We're going to get into some depth chart talk, look around the Big Twelve, uh, and then obviously get into some comments about what Tom Herman was saying with the media as they approach the Tech game. Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, First, obviously, I wanted to get your thoughts. The depth chart was released on Monday. Uh, so I kind of wanted to know what was your initial thoughts as you're going through it, looking at the offensive side of the ball? I didn't think, well, I guess the two things I was keeping an eye on was obviously the slot, a wide wide receiver position. I was curious to see what they would do about depth there because we know Jordan Whittington is, is going to be sidelined for probably around four to six weeks. So, well, maybe not so, probably around four weeks or so. So I was curious to see what they would do um, with that injury alone. And also if Jake Smith was healthy, but obviously Jake Smith was listed as a starter. So I think he's going to try to give it a go, but we all know how nagging hamstring strains can be. So I don't know actually how much they'll use them. So I was really paying attention to the depth there and it kind of shocked me that Kai Money was listed uh, directly behind Jake Smith. I know it said or Brennan Schooler, but still, that was a significant uh, jump for money there. So that was probably my biggest surprise. Yeah, because if you looked at the depth chart going into the UTEP game, it was Jake Smith one, Jordan Whittington two. Obviously, Jake gets hurt in practice prior to the game. So then it's Jordan Whittington, and then he's hurt now. And, you know, we probably won't see him until after the bye week following the Red River shootout. And so you're not even thinking about him until, you know, mid to late October. Uh, now you got Jake Smith, who they think is going to give it a go. Tom Herman had mentioned in the press conference that uh, that they were going to try and get him on the field and, and get him up and running for this game coming up on Saturday. I really feel like they shouldn't rush Jake Smith back. I mean, obviously, I know he was the starter at the slot, but, you know, given the amount of time that they spent this offseason working on 12 personnel because wide receivers were nicked up. I, I just think that it's not worth trying to run him out there for Saturday's game at, at Tech if 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 he's not at 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. I It worries me how, I guess, fragile, like I mentioned, those muscle strains can be. And obviously, Jake Smith uh, should be one of their leading receivers this season. It's going to be very crucial to that offense moving forward. We know how um, it, or we know the production and success that uh, several of the last slot receivers have had at Texas. So Jake Smith is supposed to be that guy this year and hopefully he can stay healthy, but uh, yeah, it's just, we kind of thought Kai Money was going to be a one hit wonder and it was against UTEP and they already had a little bit over 40 point lead on the minors at the time when uh, Whittington got hurt and Money stepped in, but uh, right when he filled in for Whittington, he caught that touchdown pass at the end of the first half. So um, Herman's clearly been impressed with his work ethic and practice. I know he referred to that shortly after the game. So we'll see if they actually use him much, but um, I'm definitely expected to see a bit of schooler there as well. Has anybody seen a birth certificate on Kai Money? I just want to see if that's an actual name. Um, was that his <laughs> born name? It's funny um, that that's the most talked about, uh, I guess, part about him. I just want to know when he's going to drop his mixtape because with a name like Kai Money, you can't waste that. I mean, let's just drop your mixtape. I want to hear like who are you know 
Who are your features on the album? I need to know all these things. <laughs> well, uh, we, know how, we know how popular he was on Twitter after that. Uh, definitely. I mean, he was getting uh, girls trying to go out with him. And, and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely popular. And, and obviously, you know, the, see, that's the funny thing is um, I think like when you're a backup or you're not known very well or, or you're a walk on. I don't know. It just feels like people gravitate to you. Um, and then that seems to be the case with Kai Money. But, yeah, I think Kai Money and, and or, you know, Brendan Schooler, uh, both of those guys had touchdowns in their very first game as Longhorns. You know, so that's that's exciting for them. And, and I think it's right, you know, you having them listed there at the slot. I think they could do some things. Uh, Schooler, obviously, you know, he played at, at Oregon, um, then transfers to be with his brother at Arizona, and then both of them transfer out to the Big 12. Uh, so I, I think you have some some experience there. So I don't have a problem uh, with Schooler on there at all. Uh, my question is, shouldn't should they go to more twelve personnel? It seemed like early on in that game against Utah, uh, Mike Yursich really got the the tight ends involved in that game. Obviously, Malcolm Epps has the the run uh, when um, Hudson Card tosses the ball to him. Uh, obviously, Kay Brewer in there. They expect some out of Jared Wiley. So should they go more 12 personnel in this game and, and really try to run the football and maybe protect those wide receivers a little bit? Yeah, and Herman actually mentioned that uh, on Monday in the press conference about uh, most likely them playing more 12 personnel due to the injuries right now. And uh, he specifically said it's just straight up due to the tight ends being so versatile and athletic and be able to do that. So I am expecting that, especially in this game, if uh, Jake Smith isn't obviously 100% healthy. I don't think they should rely on him if they don't have to. I think it's going to be one of those things where it kind of depends on how the game is going. Are we going to uh, come out there and completely control Texas Tech? Is it going to be a close battle for a while? So I think all of that is going to play into it. But I think the only other thing on that depth chart on the offensive side that I was looking for um, was the running back situation because even though the depth chart ahead of UTEP had Keontae Ingram listed as a starter, Roshan was actually the one who jogged out there with the ones first. So I don't think that necessarily matters. I still think probably if I had to bet, Roshan will get the first go, but uh, that's going to be a fun a fun battle going forward. Yeah, I mean, they're going to probably, and I mean, and Herman alluded to this, the fact that they're going to have all three guys available, all three are going to get their own, you know, get an equal share of the carries. I mean, I know a lot of people are excited about Bijan, you know, myself included. He's the guy that I really want to look at and, and see if they can run the football. You know, it, and it's hard for me to say run the football, run the football, because when you look at the Texas Tech game against Houston Baptist, they threw the ball all over that defense. They had you know, 600 yards of offense, uh, 577 of those yards came through the air. And, and so it, it makes me want to say attack this defense, throwing the ball, but when you're not sure if you're going to have your slot guy who is – over the years, and I know this is before your such time here in Texas, but over the years, the slot has been such a big part of the offense, whether you're talking about Lil Jordan Humphrey, Devin DuVernay, now Jake Smith, you know, that, that's been such a focal point. So it, it makes me wonder uh, if they should pass a lot, given the success Houston Baptist had. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to spread the ball around uh, probably – 
Uh, obviously not as much as, as they did against UTEP. But yeah, I, I fully expect it to be kind of an air raid offense. And we actually saw from PFF today that um, Texas, what was it, that stat that they released? Texas wide receiver groups were... We're the highest graded receiving group uh-huh, in, yeah. in college football. So, you know, that's that's yeah. exciting uh, what uh, Andre Coleman is doing with that group. And obviously Tariq Black, Brennan Eagles, Joshua Moore, who was outstanding in that game against UTEP. And, and we'll talk a lot more about that on Thursday uh, as we preview the wide receiver group on both sides for Texas and for Texas Tech. Um, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over here at at Rock Auto. Uh, Kami, I don't know if you're like me, but I would much prefer to do any auto repair, auto fixing at home if I can do it. Uh, you know, with with the way that society is now, and you go to YouTube and find anything. Uh, you can learn new programs, ner- learn a new language, or it can even show you how to fix something. Like me, I needed a new oil pump for my truck. So what did I do? First, I got on the computer. I went to rockauto.com. Low prices, affordable. I type in my make, my model. Everything that I can buy from them popped up immediately. So I went on there. I got my I got my oil pump, and I told them, locked on Longhorn, sent them. Sent them, because technically I did, you know. I referred myself. So I got that. I taken care of easily. Uh, and now my truck is running just as good as it was before the oil pump went out. You got to check them out. Go to rockauto.com. Check out their prices. Very low, affordable. Every make, every model. Got to check it out. Once again, go to rockauto.com. And when you check out, tell me your friends at Lockdown Longhorn sent you. So on Tuesday, Cami, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports tweeted out that they are expecting the Wake Forest-Notre Dame game to be postponed Due to COVID-19, I do know Notre Dame had come out and had to cancel practice due to COVID-19. And so they didn't hold practice that day. And it makes me wonder because we we heard rumors late on Tuesday or early Tuesday that Oklahoma and Kansas State was in danger of playing. So, you know, it makes you wonder, like, how many – I mean, we've already seen it with TCU once, with Baylor twice with postponing the game. Um, are we going to see an average of one Big 12 game a week being postponed uh, when, when you look at the, the COVID-19 parameters, I guess you could say? Uh, let's hope not. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that uh, there, I guess these programs are trying to get into the swing of things in terms of a game week and things like that. Everyone's obviously on different schedules and how they're handling things. And um, I think it's one of those trial by error things at this point, but there's got to be something that Texas is doing because I feel like they've just handled this perfectly. And it's either that uh, to where they're literally having no positive cases or contact tracing or anything like that, or they're just not letting letting the media know or anyone find out if anyone does. But um, whatever Texas is doing, I think everyone just needs to hop on board with because um, obviously they've had really no issues since they actually onboarded uh, for their fall camp. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a little worried because there's only a certain amount of bye weeks uh, built in for flexibility. So uh, I got to hope this kind of dies off in a little while. Yeah, it was a, the interesting part is with – Kansas State, Oklahoma, if this game is postponed, uh, they both do have the open date of October 17th that they could potentially make that game up, but that would be the the week after uh, Texas and Oklahoma play. Uh, 
Uh, so I'd be really interesting to see if they would play that game on the 17th um, and then essentially turns into, you know, because they built it so they played three games and then a bye. Uh, well, at least for Texas, Oklahoma and Kansas State were the same way. So essentially that might turn into five or six straight games, which in a normal season, it's not really that out of the out of the norm, so to speak, because once you get your bye weekend, there, there's always that chance of playing five, six games in a row. Uh, so not not a big shock, right? Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily shocked. I think they could probably play that game right after Texas and OU uh, if needed. And I think at this point, the players and the coaching staff and everyone else would be on board with that because they just want to play and get through this season. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's too hard to predict at this point. I think it's still a little bit too early on in the season to see how this is truly going to impact it going forward. But um, I'm glad they're taking the necessary precautions and postponing if needed, just so things obviously don't skyrocket and get worse. But um, there, there's going to come a time where they kind of hit the wall with there's no more flexibility or how are they going to fit um, this particular game in and things like that. So that's the only part I'm worried about. Yeah, so let's let's just say that that game is postponed. That takes away your 11 o'clock game uh, on the Big 12 slate for Saturday uh, at 12.30 p.m. Texas time, you will have Iowa State at TCU. Uh, the good news is Max Dugan has been cleared to return to his team, but obviously he's not going to start. It's going to be really interesting to watch that quarterback battle between Brock Purdy uh, and Matthew Downing, who's the former walk-on at Georgia. Uh, I really think that that Iowa State in this game really needs to come out and and, and – uh, set the tone early on because obviously uh, that second half last or two weeks ago against Louisiana Lafayette, they came out flat and were outscored 21, nothing in that defeat. Yeah. I'm sure that left a sour taste in their mouth for two uh, very long weeks. So they need a huge bounce back game here. And uh, I think it's significant, a significant game, I guess, in the big 12, because we've mentioned how uh, TCU and Baylor are kind of the two wild card teams uh, that may compete for that uh, maybe third or fourth place spot in the Big 12 uh, right behind Texas and Oklahoma. But uh, yeah, I and I also think it's significant because I think if Ohio State wins this game, then Texas likely plays at 11 a.m. against TCU next week. And if they lose, I think Texas has a night game next week. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It definitely impacts Texas in a lot of ways. You mean Iowa State? Yeah. Did I say Iowa State? They play Seven. TCU. You said Ohio State. Oh, wow. <laughs> we brought Ohio State into the Big 12. I wish. I mean, uh, I, I don't truly wish that, but I wish we were we got to play them. But, uh, yes, yeah. Iowa State versus TCU, yes. That definitely impacts when Texas and TCU play next week. It's also an important game because it's the first look for TCU this season. Right. You know, so it's like Iowa State's already gone through it. They've already, you know, played their first game. You know, is TCU going to come out flat because they haven't? played yet um you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they come out uh obviously the 230 game you have texas texas tech which we've talked about and we'll get into more throughout the week as we prepare for kickoff uh the west virginia oklahoma state game stillwater at 230 that's an interesting game because while west virginia came out and did what they needed to it's kind of their first opportunity uh, to play higher level talent, obviously. But then there's the questions about Oklahoma State, who came out, looked flat, but they didn't have their starting quarterback. What's the health of Spencer Sanders as they go into that game? 
Yeah, I think that's another big question mark, but I, I'm still feeling pretty confident in Oklahoma State. I mean, they still squeaked by with that win, which I think was the most important. And uh, they still have plenty of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm not too, I'm not as much worried about them as I was, or am, I guess you could say about Iowa State right now. So um, like we've mentioned several times, a little bit too early on the season, and we kind of expected teams to come out a little flat or have, have to shake off some rest or things like that. But uh, hopefully for the sake of the Big 12 and their reputation, uh, these teams can kind of pull it together. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about Oklahoma State, obviously the that Tulsa football team played really good defense in that game. So we don't want to take any credit away from them. They were able to shut down. Uh, that Oklahoma State offense for for most of the afternoon. Obviously, they failed down late, couldn't overcome it. But, you know, behind Spencer, you obviously have Chuba Hubbard, who a lot of people thought would be in conversation for Heisman this year. Um, you know, he, he snapped his 11-game streak of 100 yards or more rushing. Uh, but then you have the explosive wide receiver in Tylen Wallace. So they got plenty of weapons. I wouldn't be too worried about them. Uh, you know, West Virginia plays some pretty good defense. They have some guys who can get after the quarterback. So it's going to be a test for that offensive line who, uh, for all intents and purposes, did not look good against Tulsa. Can they protect the quarterback? That's going to be a big question. Obviously, the night game, we got Kansas at Baylor. Not expected to be too competitive. I mean, the line in that game is 18 and a half points for Baylor. Uh, we're, we're going to get to see Charlie Brewer Baylor for the first time. How is that new team with Larry Fedora, who was an offensive analyst for Texas last year? He's now the offense coordinator, Baylor. How is that offense going to look against Kansas and Les Miles? Uh, are you excited about that game? I mean, I know it's Kansas, but, I mean, we're still getting our first look at Baylor, who we think is going to be in the mix. Yeah, I've been excited to watch Baylor and TCU. Those are my two teams that uh, even prior to the preseason that I had no idea <laughs> would look this season. So uh, especially TCU now that uh, Dugan returned, even though he's not starting yet, but I do fully expect him to uh, take over uh, once he gets back in the groove of things and glad his heart and everything was taken care of. But yeah, those are two teams I've been the most excited to watch. I'm glad we get to uh, see how they'll both come out soon. Um, I don't know who I would put ahead. I I guess I'm a little bit more worried about TCU at this point than I was originally. Yeah, the TCU team, uh, you know, you have questions about their offense. I, I don't think you ever question their defense. They have playmakers at all three levels of their defense. Um, so you know that they're going to be good. It's just when you look at that team, it's, you know, they, they don't have Jalen Rager anymore. Uh, obviously, they got Zachary Evans, the highly touted running back, who they expect is going to play a lot of snaps for them. Uh, and, and then, obviously, the other questions are quarterback. Matthew Downing, like we said, was the the walk-on transfer from Georgia. Uh, Max Dugan did not look great last year. I mean, he did against Texas, but um, every, for all the other games, he looked pretty average. But, obviously, he was a freshman. So, what did he learn throughout the year and, and you know, what kind of growth he's going to have? So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at now. But uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the Longhorns' plans as they prepare for their trip to Lubbock on Saturday. All right, Kevin. So the the Longhorns are preparing uh, to travel to Lubbock on Saturday, and, and just a reminder on tomorrow's show. I got Ari Temkin's going to sit down and talk with me. Uh, if you listen to Ari, he is on the Big 12 radio show on Sirius XM. He's going to help us get ready uh, for this Texas Tech game. And maybe we'll get into a conversation about there being 
Only 25% of the tortillas being thrown at kickoff. <laughs> uh, we heard that joke, to, uh, obviously, last night. Uh, we heard a little bit about that, you know, with the uh, 25%. It makes you wonder, Kami, like, are they only going to have 25% tortillas to throw? Or are they going to overcompensate? <laughs> because, you know, so there's only 25%. So I got to throw four tortillas at kickoff rather than one. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. Yeah, I know. I, I just appreciated how, uh, I guess, fun and lighthearted they were uh, speaking about this upcoming game. But, yeah, I mean, it's true. You're going to have less uh, fans heckling you in the stands, which is always a good thing when you're playing out in Lubbock. Uh, we know how rowdy they can get over there. Yeah, so Tom Herman talked a little bit about their their plans uh, as they're going out there. They're not going to have roommates, uh, I guess, when they're staying at the hotel so one player per room, I guess, so they can try to limit any, uh, I guess, contact tracing. Um, if they were to come into contact with somebody with COVID-19, uh, try to limit that. But the funny thing was somebody asked about Sam on the plane. And, uh, you know, Tom Herman said Sam's going to get his own plane. I, I guess to, to, to make sure that they protect, they put a bubble around their quarterback and make sure he's good to go. Um, I guess they don't want to find out about Casey Thompson or Hudson Card to Quindon Jackson just yet. We got to, we got to put the bubble around Sam as they travel to Lubbock for this game. Yeah, it was, um, I guess it all kind of came to light because everyone's saying basically protect Sam on the plane. Don't let him uh, come into contact with anything like that. But I mean, I'm sure they have, and like they mentioned, they have very specific seating arrangements and things like that. I'm sure it has to go by position or something along those lines. So um, I'm glad they're taking those necessary steps because that's not something I necessarily thought of uh, when all this first began. But I mean, it's their first road game. So I'm good. I'm sure that, like I mentioned, it's going to be a trial and error type of thing. And um, it kind of stinks, though, because Herman was even mentioning before the UTEP game, it was so weird how uh, they didn't even eat together. They just kind of picked up their food and then all ate alone in their hotel room. So, I mean, that used to be one of Herman's like favorite days uh, uh, prior to a game. So I don't know. It, it's just weird. But I mean, you have to do what you have to do if you want to play this season. Yeah, you're right about that, though, not thinking about the travel. But, you know, the good thing is on that airplane, I don't know if you've ever flew on an airplane from Austin to Lubbock, but it doesn't take very long uh, right. to get there. So it's not like it's going to be for an extended period of time, a really short period uh, uh, moving up there. Is there anything in particular like you're looking forward to in this game? Is it, you know, is it on the offensive side of the ball? Is it on the defensive side of the ball? Kind of uh, what you're looking forward to most in this game? I think I'm just looking forward, I guess, in general to them playing a conference opponent. I kind of want them to be challenged a little bit more um, on the offensive side of the ball because it's it's hard to take away from what they did against UTEP. Like, obviously, uh, they dominated the minors, but I, I want to see a little fight in them. And um, I'm curious to see kind of if we've talked a lot of or have given a lot of praise to Chris Ash coming in on this defense. So I'm hoping they can kind of get after the quarterback um, primarily quarterback pressures, not not necessarily sacks. So um, if we could just get pressure, I'd be a, a little bit – I mean, obviously that would be much better than it was previous few seasons, but um, that's probably what I'm looking for on the defensive side of the ball. I think our secondary did well, obviously, against UTEP. But on the offensive side of the ball, um, I don't know. I'm hoping we can kind of have uh, one of those running backs kind of break away from the other two. But like I mentioned, it's probably going to be a hot-hand approach going forward. Did you find it, and just kind of just to circle back to your comment there about Chris Ash, but do you find it interesting that, that Urban Meyer is constantly talking about Chris Ash 
where he's coming out and saying, you know, talking about obviously he said he's an elite coach and that he was the best coordinator hire. Uh, do you feel like he's going out of his way to maybe praise his former defensive coordinator? I mean, I think it's interesting. I think um, they obviously have a really strong relationship. And it sounds like when I was listening to Urban Meyer's interviews that they still talk quite a bit. So um, I'm sure Chris Ash um, and Urban Meyer are sharing, I guess, tips to each other throughout the season. But um, I think I just think that's a great thing for Chris Ash to have someone um, of Meyer's caliber, I guess, uh, to be that close with and uh, be able to turn to for assistance and things like that. But it obviously speaks highly of what Meyer thinks of Ash and um, Herman has said similar things, his attention to detail and how he can develop players. And that's significantly what uh, this Texas defense has been lacking in the past. They haven't been able to develop those uh, four and five star prospects. So um, I don't know. I mean, he has high expectations here at Texas. Obviously, every coach who comes in does. But uh, there's been nothing but good things said about him so far. Yeah, and you're right. And you you talked about the the high praise and obviously, uh, Herman knows firsthand what Chris Ash can do because he saw it, uh, you know, going against him in practice every day, you know, at Ohio State with Herman running the offense and Ash running defense. So it's not like he he's going off what other people are saying. He's seen it firsthand every single day uh, working with him. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though. ESPN came out with an article where they talked about the new coordinators who could kind of shape the college playoff. And both Mike Yersich and Chris Ash were listed uh, in that article, which I thought was was pretty interesting that they would uh, – we're talking about the key college playoff coordinators, and both Texas coordinators were listed in that. Ooh, yeah, because, I mean, we've seen several analysts pick Texas to sneak into the college football playoff this year. So, obviously, um, that means both coordinators on each side of the ball are, are having a successful year in turning this team around. But, um, yeah, I mean, we are we obviously know how much talent Texas had on the offensive side, so Yersich should uh, definitely be successful in his first year in Austin. Chris Ash has a little bit uh, steeper of the hill to climb, I would say, but um, also – um, it's not as hard to, I guess, show some progress over last season for Ash in particular. But, I mean, Meyer even said that Chris Ash was the best coordinator hire in all of college football this offseason. So I think that speaks for itself, and hopefully it works out. Yeah, it's, uh, it is really interesting. Uh, in this article that ESPN put out, uh, the, uh, one Big 12 coach who, who was not n- named – so they're going to be way completely different than they were under Orlando. It'll be interesting to see how it relates to that offense, you know, talking about, you know, if they can create turnovers and give the offense a short field and then the offense go down and score and and allow this defense really to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, especially if they can build some early leads. And, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm looking for uh, this Saturday is can they get an early lead and does that translate to the pass rush getting to the quarterback, obviously it didn't translate in their last game, but it almost like it was a feeling out period. See who worked well together, which group uh, when you're looking at the rotations, but obviously Alfred Collins was one of the guys that stood out and and maybe that's something we'll see this Saturday. Oh yeah. And like I've been preaching uh, all year, I feel like it's consistency. So I'm looking for that. Do they take their foot off the gas? Do they give up some points in their head? Things like that. So um, I don't think Yersich is that type of guy. I think he's going to remain to be aggressive, uh, especially in conference play, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, I'm primarily looking uh, for consistency with this team. 
Yeah, and that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. Make sure you're checking out the Lockdown College Football podcast Monday through Friday. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. But for Cammie, I'm Patrick. And as always, keep it locked on. How come?